welcome back to another episode of High Time for True Crime. I'm Khadija. And I'm Catherine. And today we're talking about Lorena. Oh, sweet Lorena. <laughs> um, we are about to get into a lot of different things. Let's just go ahead and run down that list of trigger warnings. Yeah, I was just about to say. Let's... So trigger warning for rape. Sexual assault, aside from rape. Um, physical abuse. Dom- yeah, domestic abuse. Ab- um, abortion. Mutilation. Um... Toxic masculinity. There's so many. But if once we start talking about them, we will trigger warn, trigger warn you yes, right before we talk about it. But yes, um, if you... If that's not your thing, we got a lot of other lighthearted shit yes. you can check out while you're here. Please go but... check out Trash Day. That's a little bit more lighthearted. It's still messed up psychology, but... <laughs> it is what it is. Yes. Um, so yeah, today we're talking about Lorena. We're going to be breaking it down into three episodes. Um, and we're just going to go through the whole entire case. If you would like to watch what we have watched, you can go on Amazon Prime. Um, and if you have Amazon Prime mem- membership, it is free. If you don't, then it's like, I don't know how much. It it's is. worth it, whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely under worth it. under $10 to watch all four episodes, I'm sure. I'm sure you probably find it in broken pieces on, <laughs> on YouTube. Or you've probably heard of the case. I mean, yeah. I grew up hearing about it all the time. Of and- course. And if not, we're about to tell you. All about, All about it. it. Um, but so, yeah, this is before our time. Actually, okay, so funny story. It The night it happened is the name of the first episode, but the night that it did yeah, happen yeah. was June 23rd, 1993, which, which was a year before my birthday to the day. So. I thought you were going to tell me that you were alive during this. And I was no. Like, it was literally a year before I was born when this happened, which oh. I thought was funny. As soon as the date popped up, I was like, I was oh, like, this, this date looks super familiar. And I was like, this is around Catherine's birthday, but I'm not exactly sure when to pinpoint it. <laughs> But I thought so. Yeah, this is um, a pretty intense situation. Yeah, so we're in Manassas, Virginia. Yes. Um, We meet, eventually, Lorena and John. Lorena was 24 at the time. John was 26. They had been married for, like, four-ish years. Yeah, and it's all been fucking (laughs) terrible. But, okay, so... (laughs) Well, we should go ahead and play the the trailer. And you guys will get a little bit of backstory. Oh, yeah, for sure. This story was irresistible. What did he do to make her do something like that? This was a modern love story. Boy meets girl. Boy falls in love with girl. Boy marries girl. Girl cuts off boy's penis. The interest level was huge. Court TV is bringing the proceedings into millions of homes. People were like, that's crazy. This story was irresistible. Everybody was looking to get an interview. Guilt or innocence will come down to whom the jurors believe. What did he do to make her do something like that? She wanted me to hurt. That's why she did that. She is a jealous wife whose American dream has been destroyed. This trial had it all. The defense says the years of abuse put her over the edge. She was way too scared to leave him. He was very dominating. Physical abuse, sexual abuse. (laughs) We had found multiple witnesses. I saw him push it against the wall. Did you ever forcibly have sex with your wife? I thought it was kind of stunning. We don't need a judge or jury to tell us whether or not Lorena is telling the truth. She said, my husband says, if I leave him, he will kill me. Mm -hmm. 
there is a battle of the sexes. What it meant in 1993 is not that different from what it means today. We were being entertained on the fodder of someone else's suffering. It's still going on. I didn't choose to be in the spotlight, but there's no going back. And we open up with Steve Harvey, and he's making a bunch of jokes. Oh, Steve. I'm going to ask you this question. What, what made you take it, though? I mean, you cut it off. Why you leave with it? That's what I'm... <laughs> now, we got to go find it. Yes. You know, who you out here? You got grass on it. I'm trying... They did. I just... I already know that it's going to be full of jokes, like this whole entire documentary... But yeah. this woman went through like a lot trauma. of trauma. Yeah, absolutely trauma. And and she's he's doing it right in front of her face on national television in his Steve Harvey voice. I mean, it's just it's Steve yeah. Harvey. Why did they even <laughs> make Steve her Harvey go voice. on this show? I don't know. My dad loves Steve Harvey, so I like really? him. Yes, weirdly enough, my dad like religiously watches like. Does he watch Family Feud a lot? Family Feud, he watched the Steve Harvey show, he watched I mean, like, I Mari, Jerry, we didn't really have cable, so show. it was definitely like... Well, Steve Harvey actually had like a sitcom show. Steve Wilkos, you know, all oh that shit. God. But anyways, I don't know why they put this poor woman on there, and yeah. he's just like, ugh, getting up, dancing, like yeah, acting weird. Yeah, he's like miming things out, like yeah. wiping grass off of it, and like, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. But she wins at the end. Like, she's just she like... She looks fabulous every yeah. time we see her. And she's just like, well, that's what happens when you mistreat a woman or you abuse her. And I was just like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was like, this is why we he are had here. It coming. Basically. <laughs> oh, my God. The jokes. Okay. So, after that, the whole entire mood of, like, the documentary shifts. Like, the music changes everything. And we're now back on June 23rd, 1993, a year before Catherine was born, in Manassas, Virginia. Swim Hospital, where I meet a couple of the Manassas City Police officers that had been previously dispatched to the call. One of the officers who I know uh, came to me and he goes, Danny, you're not going to believe this. And uh, I was like, what? What's, what's up? And he goes, um, this guy's wife pulled his dick off. Is, um, it, is it me or do you feel like pulled his dick off as immature as fuck to say? Well, like, that would imply a totally different crime, right? Like, if you're going to be giving people the rundown, at least be, like, using a technical t- about anatomically it. Anatomically correct words. Yeah. And mechanisms. So these are just like dumb. She shot severed men. his penis. Yeah, these like That's, just, yeah. They don't even know what to say. Like they're just like, oh, Dick, we can't even. Yeah, on the radio. and they're like oh. talking back and forth about it, and like they're like, just come to the hospital, and I'm like, this is hilarious already. You guys don't even know what to do or know what to say about it. I mean, yeah, it doesn't happen every fucking day, but at the same time. Just say everyone report to the hospital and then explain it to them in person. Don't try to play telephone because then it just gets really messy. But they, they did a good job of keeping it off the radio because they were like, people will pick up on this immediately. So um, this is like 
I mean, this is kind of the greatest thing I've heard in all of 2020. It's just a bunch of men talking about another guy's penis, like... <sighs> Frantically. They are so worried about it. It's so like worried. it's their own. It's like the only time men can bond over anything is when it comes to their dicks, like... Pretty much. But they are on the hunt for this <laughs> They're on a wild dick, dick chase. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what my notes say. <laughs> Oh my god. Because like I almost looked under the couch cushion for this thing. I mean Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they were they were looking for a while, but they're on the chase. It's gonna take a lot of other resources uh to actually uh deal with this particular call for service. Uh one of the officers came across radio. I need an officer to come by the hospital and um get a key to go to the apartment and look for the appendage and I was just like an appendage you know you know what could that have been we didn't have cell phones then uh, everything that we communicated amongst each other was over the radio thought in my mind I can't say penis on the radio there's there's seven words you can't say on TV I'm sure penis somehow lines up in there I arrived at the hospital I was uh, directed to the room where the victim was and when they pulled back the sheet, I saw a man's testicles or scrotum, but not the penis. Okay, so I just really don't think the FCC is listening to the radio right now. You're not no. going to get fined for saying penis. Like... No, I think, I think they just didn't want to say it because they didn't want it to believe that this was real. Like, everyone is just like, wait, there's a woman. There's a wild woman out there. She is cutting and pulling off dicks. She's possibly swallowing them. They literally thought that she possibly had swallowed the as a, I think that was literally the last thing. If I was going to cut a man's dick off, the last thing I would do was put it in my, my fucking mouth. And swallow. And then this whole entire documentary just shows you how polarizing women's thoughts and men's thoughts are. Because men are all, like, the women are just like, we're here to do our job. And the men are just like, I can't get past the fact that his dick is not on his body. And I'm like, he's... This is the first time also, I think, that there's been any regard for someone's privacy over the airlines. Because if yeah. this was a woman who had been mutilated, they would have been talking about it blatantly, I feel. I mean... In some capacity. I don't know. Because I think that they have to treat things like super sensitive. But if it's like something that's going to get the media's attention, they try to make it yeah. private. No matter like what the situation is. If it's a murder, if it's a robbery, whatever. Like some of the things that are just going to get like a lot of attention if it's like wild or whatever yeah they I have to kind like of protect so much more special care and yeah attention was given. i definitely feel that in in that that way but we um get to also meet uh dr david bierman and he is a urologist or no he's a microsurgeon and then we meet dr james who is, yes microsurgery we, we meet dr james who is a urologist and they are basically going to help if they find this penis, yeah. uh, reattach it. <laughs> and they say, like, some fun... They're pretty funny. The urologist is my favorite person, I think, in this first episode. I like truly. the microsurgeon. I do, like, too, but the urologist, too. when he first starts talking, it's just so funny. He has he's, a like, smile full of puns. Just pun after pun after Yeah, he has pun. a smile on his face the whole entire time. But <laughs> this is what they have to say. I get this call. I can't remember exactly. Something like four in the morning, three thirty in the morning. My wife actually was away with the kids, so it was just me by myself. I said, "Do you have the part?" And they said, "We don't." I said, "So should I bother coming down?" I said, "If you can't find it, I can't put it back on." And at that point, it hadn't been. Uh, it hadn't been found. It hadn't been heard from. It was lost in action. 
Uh, and so when I got to the ER, I was confronted uh, with John on his back, uh, bleeding profusely. He'd lost about a third of his blood volume. And at that point, the only option was to do what we call a perineal urethrostomy, which is to expose the uh, mid-bulbous urethra to the perineum so he could sit to pee like a woman for the rest of his life. And that's where I thought we were headed. Again, here we are acting like the worst thing that could happen to a man is... Losing his penis. Yeah. Which, he was going to be fine all along. They had a plan. He would just sit like a woman He was just going to have a bit of a mangina. It was going to be okay. He would be fine. And I'm just, like, shook at all this information. And this is why I like Dr. David, because he was just like, well, if I don't have it, you're kind of wasting my... If you guys don't have it, you're wasting my time. So, I'm going to go back to sleep and call me when you find the penis. Like, they're not fucking around. They're just like, um, in order for us to do our job, we kind of need... I'm not even going to come in and give him a consult to make him feel better until you have that thing yeah. on you. And if you don't have it, then he will just have to pee like a woman. Yeah. But he won't die. And John <laughs> literally pull- pops up on the screen right after this, and he looks just as raggedy as you could possibly imagine. Like, he is gross. He's gross. And then he has a giant cup. Full, full of, of vodka. Who knows what I really thought. It's something it's a alcoholic. Mixed drink for yeah. sure. Like, and he like literally shows up with this big gulp and he's asking the producers like, oh, I have another cup if you guys think that would look bad. I'm like, nobody, nobody cares, cares what's your fucking cup that she Sit got your freaking penis down and let's just have a chat. Why are we talking to you before we're talking to Lorena? I don't care. I literally was just like, ugh. I mean, it would be one thing if he actually turned this around, but it just is a shit show. Yeah, from once day one. you take it all in, you're like, ew. Yeah, absolutely. you may think that we're like, if you haven't heard of this story before, which honestly, I don't know where the fuck you've been. But if you've never heard the story before, then there's we, a lot It may sound more. like we're being assholes towards him, but he is. The He's worst. lucky that she didn't slice his throat instead. Honestly, she he survives. He'll be all right. But yeah, so he basically basically wants to tell us his perspective of things that happened that night. And I don't really care, but yeah, sure, let him tell his lies. Well, she was she was playing around with me, you know, when I was sleeping because I remember her, her her you know playing around, and then it was a whole and a jerk. It was horrifying. It was, uh, it was terrifying. I was confused. Uh, I thought I was dreaming. And I'm thinking, okay, Freddy Krueger's hand came to the wall. Harry, <laughs> you know? I'm bleeding to death. I'm bleeding blood everywhere. My penis is gone. And uh, all I can think of now is I better not go back to sleep. <laughs> so I collected myself and applied pressure. And uh, um, my friend Robbie was staying with us. I woke Rob, my friend up, I kicked him, and um, he didn't realize what was happening uh, because he just woke up out of sleep. I kind of was, like, waiting for my friend to get ready because he, he went and brushed his teeth. Honestly, I'm not mad at Robbie. I would have worried about my oral hygiene before I worried about this asshole. For sure. And also, <laughs> how drunk were you, John? Exactly. How drunk were you? The fact that you literally laid there. I was like, if someone cut a piece of your body off, doesn't matter how fucking exhausted or tired you are, you're going to drunk, jump up from that adre- like adrenaline rush. Like You're going to wake up out of your sleep. Whether it be you your pinky toe or your penis, you're going to know what's happening immediately yes. if you're cognizant. Yes. And I mean, in this moment, I kind of feel a little bit bad for John, especially because he's slurring his words and he's obviously drunk. 
Um, He hasn't overcome any of his demons. But I was just like, okay, yeah, it was his penis. It got cut off. This is actually pretty traumatic. Yeah, okay, I'm not excusing what happened. No. It's still horrible and traumatic. However... When you you unfold the layers of all the shit that he's done and also all the shit that he does afterwards, I really just... It just all diminishes. Like, I just can't feel that. This has more layers than that tiny little thing had wrinkles. So... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, John, you know... He basically is able to get to the hospital because his friend Robbie is staying there. He kicked Robbie awake. And I'm just like, that's kind of rude. That's probably why Robbie went and brushed his teeth because he's probably like, fuck you, John. You're going to wait. And John is also asked um, on this TV show that that he's on, like, why do you think that Lorena did it? He said that he feels that she was upset because he wanted to get a divorce and he thought that she would be just as happy as he was. So that means that you're getting a divorce and that you probably have done some bullshit and that's why she'd be happy to get away from you. Then the only intelligent thing that he says, basically, is that men don't understand women. That's really it for me. I'm like... And I'm just like, leave. Please leave. She's not jealous. She doesn't want you. She's obviously trying to get away from you. Don't even try to make any type of excuses to make yourself look good. And that's basically what he does on the majority of, like, these news channels and things like that. He just says bullshit and spews bullshit out of his mouth to make her look like a bad person. But nobody ever wants to, like, talk about why the woman chopped the dick off. Yeah. Except for other women. And this is when a woman finally enters the group chat in this investigation. And we meet our bitch, Cindy Lee. And she is amazing. So when I came in the first thing in the morning... I was told to respond over to Maplewood Drive in regards to um, a wife that had cut her husband's penis off. And uh, the sergeant at the time, Jerry Hawks, advised that they thought she had swallowed the penis. So I had to go over there, like, immediately as soon as I got in the door. When I arrived on the scene... The first thing I noticed was there was blood droplets in the parking lot next to where these cars would be. Going into the sidewalk and going up the stairs to apartment number five. And then went through the living room and into a bedroom on the left-hand side, which would be probably that balcony right up there. When I first came into the apartment, two things I'm doing... I wanted to try to find the, um, the, the body part of the penis, but also I didn't want to disturb the crime scene as much as I could. Fuck. Finally, somebody's, like, getting to the point about yeah. it. She's very much, like, she cut his dick off. Like she's And she's a crime scene technician, so she's a fucking professional, and she's just like, these idiots think that she swallowed his penis after chopping it off. Now I need to go over there and do some real fucking investigating because these idiots think that this woman is riding around town with a dick in her stomach. She's like... <laughs> And now I have to be in a hurry for some reason. I just love her attitude. Because they're all She's frantic. like, I guess I'm supposed to be in a rush about this. Yeah, she's but... like, I guess I have to go find the penis for you guys since nobody else is going to be able to do it. But she gets to the crime scene and this is what they see. And I could see where if he would have swung his legs over to the side of the bed, there was a V-shaped um, blood spatter that was pulsed in waves that was landed onto the carpet. From what I was advised, he was extremely intoxicated, and that's why he laid on the bed for a while after the the um, 
the fetus was cut off. I don't think he felt it right away. John literally laid there for a long time, so long that a pool of blood like gathered underneath him. He was drunk. Yeah. He was not dead tired. He was drunk. There's no way in hell that anybody that does not have any type of suppressant in their system or type of drug in their system would lay there for that long. I just, like, nobody knows how you're going to react in a situation like that, but it's Lame a miracle it didn't look like a scene from Dexter in yeah. there with him just running around with there was a lot of yeah. his dick attached. Most of the blood was on the bed, but, like, yeah, like, there was, like, a spray of blood. They pretty much, you know, like, looked, they were looking everywhere for his appendage. They looked in the dishwasher, the sink, the freezer, the garbage disposal. They were looking Everywhere. I really wish it had been in the garbage disposal because then they couldn't have sewn it back on, but... No, I'm sure... Yeah, no, they they would... Yeah, I don't know what they would do. Well, we but know what they would do. while they're looking, important side yeah. notes, they find, trigger warning, they find pamphlets for, like, spousal abuse and rape and yeah. also how to leave an abusive spouse. And I'm just like, okay, so this should be, like, a major red flag. And that also validates what Lorena was saying because she... Well, I mean, when we talk to her later on, yeah. it'll validate, you know. Yeah, it corroborates happen. the fact that obviously at some point. They were having an abusive relationship yeah. and it looks like it was more recently than yeah. in the past or it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, because at this point they've been married for about four years. Oh, yeah. They've been married for a while. And I mean, from what we hear, it's just a shit show like. The whole entire time. Mm -hmm. But we then get to hear the police recordings with Lorena that night of the incident when she basically turns herself in. And this is what she has to say. You know. What happened when you got the shot? Nobody was there. Nobody was there. So I, uh, I, I just keep on crying and screaming and I felt I, I, I want to see my friend Jana nobody was opening the doors so I I just stand up in the front door and I just I was knocking at the door and her husband came downstairs and I was looking for I said Where, where's Jana where's Jana I tried to calm her down and she's crying and then she said, I cut his penis off. And I said, you did what? So what Lorena basically tells the police in short is that she drove to her job and then no one was there. And then she drove to Jana's house. Jana is her boss. And um, what happens? Okay, if you ask Jana their relationship, Jana's her boss. If you ask yeah. Lorena their relationship, they're, they're like best, best friends. friends. And I'm just like, okay, so which one is it? But Jana does help she, her. Yeah. Help her out a lot. But she also doesn't help her out a lot but um she's just kind of like you know what's going on and lauren is like i cut his dick off <laughs> she's like, like what had happened was, was. yeah and jenna's like well, wait what you cut his dick off why and did you come here first let's yeah, call somebody <laughs> let's go to the police and she convinced her to go to police to the police station and this is basically when she decides to um file her sexual abuse report and after that, we do get to see Lorena, like present day Lorena, and she is gorgeous, she has stunning, amazing, aged confident, everything. So well, when you she looks so good, yeah. When you look at her and you look at John, you're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly. And I was like, you see who came out on top with this because she deserves it. I mean, she's a cut above the rest. I hate you. 
I was looking at those stupid commemorative shirts. They're like, so oh some my of God. the some the phrasing is just like it's so stupid. I would never put that on my body. No. But I probably would wear Lorena's face on my on a shirt. Yes. But you know, she's looking amazing and um she's recounting what happened when she got to the police station. I commented to her that we did have a detective on the way and we were gonna get to that. Um but I needed to ask her what she had done with Mr. Bobbitt's penis. Uh, that was kind of the urgent matter at hand. I could see her face. It actually, she just gave me that, oh my God. It just brought her back to that moment. I said, just look around. Um, they said, no, we, we look around the, the apartment. We, cannot find it. I said, I remember tossing things uh, out of the car. Ask her, where were you on the road? Or what were you near? Look around in the corner, there's 7-Eleven. Then they went there immediately. As soon as she gives them a location, they literally suit up, roll out, and they're on the hunt for this penis. Somewhere across the street from a 7-Eleven. I wish that they treated everything like it was a severed penis. If they were this <laughs> on point all the time, what would the world be like? They were red. They are triangulating. They are yeah, like, they were like we using... are going to find this. They, they might as well have had a GPS chip in it because they were like, we are ready like we are going to go find this man's penis and it will be reattached to his body and everybody will win and i'm just like this is crazy but i understand time is of the essence it is a body part that has been severed off and you know if you don't get it reattached then the doctor's just like i'm not showing up yeah. so we need to find it um but then uh they pretty much are uh, located yeah, and they, t- they tell us about how she overhand tossed it and I died. Oh my god, that's the best part. The fact that she didn't even, like, throw it straight through, like, the passenger side window. This bitch, oh, rolled down, because you know... You know it was a crank window in 1993. Rolled it down and then took the penis with her bare hand, t- put her arm out of the window, extended it, left hand dropped it down it. just a little bit, yeah. and then just yeeted that hoe right across the top of the car. In my mind, it like skidded across at one good time before oh it just like hopped into the field. And she was going full speed. Like this was not a drive-by. Like she was just like, whoop, bam. I also would like to add that like whenever the officer was pretty much like asking her where the penis was, he said that he could tell that she was just like coming back to reality. Like that she was in basically some type of trance. And I mean, I think that definitely proves a lot that she was insane, like that she was at her wit's end whenever yeah. she committed this I wouldn't crime. even say insane. I would just say that she was, I mean, it was also traumatic as hell well, I mean, for as far her. as for the insanity plea, yeah. like, I, just I hate. guess they would call it, they would, te- they would technically say, because I mean, it's not something that she would want to do. It's not something that she, um, yeah. that she would do normally if she was yeah. treated fine. But like, he literally drove her to the point of like... I have nothing else but fight. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, like, I can't run away from this. Yeah. I'm going to attack. Yes. So. I just hate the words insane and hysterical when it comes to women. Cause yeah. I mean, well, yeah. honestly, I would say that for me, I mean, I feel like it 
fit. It fits she's the not. Bill. She's a, she's yeah. a very very like timid woman. Like she's very yeah. nice. She's very sweet. That's what everyone has to say about her. So she was completely acting Actor, out of character. Of character. Yeah. I'm not saying like she's like insane all the time or yeah. anything like that. Like he literally put her in a mental state and like emotionally and mentally abused she her just to the like, point where she I'm, just snapped yeah and i mean any person can snap a man can be insane too that they're put under pressure any person has their limit everyone has a limit of where if you push me one more it's it's over and i'm going to go insane but yeah definitely um i like the fact that the cop was able to like acknowledge that she was not in her right state of mind when he talked to her and when he like finally brought her back down to reality she was just like Oh, oh shit. No. And she didn't even remember like what everything that happened. Yeah. She was like putting things together. Yeah, she's she was like, like seven eleven. Sure you didn't find it at yeah. the house. What? I yeah. mean, she pretty much like blacked out and like she does not remember. I mean, whenever your adrenaline is rushing and like, oh, yeah. things are happening and you're in a traumatic moment, then like of course It's instinct at that yeah, point. You're not really yourself. Like your body is just taking over. So that was a good point to make. Um, and then the next thing, they pretty much find the penis. I don't think it was Polk's Road or Polkhead Road. Polk, P-O-L-K, Polk's Road, at the intersection of Old Senegal Road. Apparently said that when she arrived at the stop sign, she tossed it out her left side, driver's side window. She was driving, so she threw it, her left arm out and would throw it over the roof and went over the, the side and landed in a, a grassy area, tall grassy area. And I, I remember it being about knee to thigh high at that time. I was here for approximately an hour, and then I was advised that the knife was located in another county where Marina Bobbitt worked. And then I was advised that she had thrown the knife into the garbage can. I had to get there before the garbage service came and collected the trash. So the men are wandering around in the grassy field. Cindy is locating the knife. Things are happening. Investigation work is moving. They are on track. This music is way too much. It's like (laughs) Pink Panther (laughs) mystery like movie. (laughs) Basically, like they might as well. But this next part, when they actually find the penis, is the most ridiculous thing ever. Especially <laughs> considering what we learned about Cindy dumpster diving for the knife. Yes. Try to look for it. Mike Perry got there. Um, he, he, he walked up to, to the sergeant and asked him, said, hey, where is it at? And, and the sergeant just took his hand and just pointed straight down. He wouldn't even get close to it. To it. I mean, he would just came back. It's right there. Also, are you religious? And he didn't want to apparently put his hands on it. But I heard Sergeant Hurley stepped on it and indicated that there it is. And then Officer Perry retrieved it. In fact, I had to take pictures a couple days later of him standing next to where he found it, pointing at the ground. This is like watching a cartoon. Like, this is, I'm just like, is this real life? Everyone is laughing. Cindy is laughing. Lorraine is laughing. I'm laughing. I'm pretty sure everyone behind the camera is laughing. It's almost like the 90210 equivalent of an investigation. <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening right now? Just like recounting everything. It just sounds unreal. Like every part of this story sounds unreal up until we get to the abuse. But yeah, like yeah. it just, 
It's just wild. He's religious, so he didn't want to touch it. You're a police officer. You're doing police work. Put a fucking glove on and pick it up. Yeah. At least it's not attached to somebody's body at this point. I mean, yeah, you're trying to save this man's penis. You also, guys, he you stepped been, on it. He's yeah, stepped. he stepped on it. And the fact that she had to take a picture of him with standing next to him the next day. Uh, she was just, she was loving every moment. And they yes. show the picture. And he looks so upset. You can you imagine um, Cindy calling him just be like, Hey, um, we need to reenact that yeah, moment. We gotta go take a picture across the 7 Eleven, the grassy field where you stepped on this man's penis. <laughs> <laughs> See you at 9. See you at 9 a.m. Oh my gosh. But even the doctors have a little chuckle about it as well. I'm not quite sure why nobody wanted to handle this thing. Uh, but rescue squads have gloves, so that was always fortuitous. And with that, it was carried uh, ceremoniously into the 7 Eleven where uh, somebody knew to put it on ice. In a hot dog bag, of all things. So I pushed John up to the OR and knew that I had this. The part comes in, and we were washing it up the sink with some Visahex and then just put it in ice uh, till it gets put back on. So during this clip, they show the severed penis and what's left on John's body multiple times without any kind of warning, and... Honestly, like, I've seen a lot of gruesome things, so, like, it didn't really freak me out that much, but... It didn't weird me out much, Any but... other person that hasn't really watched a lot of forensic files or anything like that, they're probably just like, oh my god, this is awful. And I'm sure most men were just like, this is awful. I don't want to watch this anymore. My dad actually walked in when I was, like, uh, watching this, and he was like, what is happening? And I was like, you might want to leave the room right now. That tourniquet came off, and, uh... The penis pinked up, and it looked uh, really terrific right from the start. There were policemen on the scene, sitting with their <laughs> legs crossed in, in a protective stance, thinking about all this. Penis pinked up. That is quite the phrase. Quite the phrase. I mean, that's the color it's supposed to be, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> but pretty much after they have reattached the penis, it pinked up. So it means everything was working. Dr. Uh, David uh, yeah. and Dr. James. Yes. I was like, my brain just like turned off. Um, they they accomplished their task. They reattached his penis. It's great. It's with operating order. He just needs to heal. But all the men are in the hallway, like all the police officers in the hallway, like with their legs crossed. And all the women are just like, but what did he do? I wonder how many men bought their wives flowers the day after this happened. I'm sure a lot of them did. I'm sure cards, chocolate, flower, gift card sales, all that shit just went up. I mean... New vibrator. Who knows? I honestly think it's very... Um, I mean, yeah, it's very poignant that she said that, you know, the women were thinking, what did he do to her to yeah. make her do that? Because most women, we know that we're not going to fucking go chop someone's dick off. I mean, not... Especially not who I'm getting dick from, unless there's something else going on here. Yeah, and I was like, that's also her husband, too. So yeah. there's a lot of things that could happen. Now, if he would have, like, cheated on her and, like, she just chopped his penis off for that, like, I would not no. be on her side at all. Because yeah, I no. feel like that's not... No. Yeah. But. Agreed. Because of the abuse and all that stuff, I'm willing to open my ears and listen to what has to be said. But that's the only thing that's happening for women. Women are opening their ears and trying to listen to why Lorena did this. And men are just kind of like, can just you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. She cut his dick off. She's crazy. Like, no. 
you can't, you have to really like look at the big picture here and figure out why she did it. There, we need to a motive, a motive. I don't see a motive right now until we have some, you know, some talking going on. But the next thing is um, Lorena pretty much talking about after she made her sexual abuse report, she was taken to the hospital for an evaluation. I told him that during the marriage, John was raping me a lot. As much as I wanted to fight him and say no, it seems like the more he, he just wanted to do it. Ironically, I was in one side of the hospital and then he was at the same time in the same hospital. He was on the other side of the hospital. And boom, there it is. He has been abusing her and raping her. Yes, they were married. I was infuriated by the amount of people that were just like, well, they're married, so it can't be rape. Really? Are you serious? It doesn't matter who this person is to you. You have to have consent every single time. Just because a woman is married to you does not mean that she's your fucking property, does not mean that she is going to, supposed to be doing everything for you at your, like, at your beck and call no we're not sex objects we are people and the fact that he literally thinks that it was okay to constantly rape his wife he knew it was wrong she's even protested and said i don't want this and spoke up about it and he just constantly did it over and over again and they get so victim blamey later on and just so disgusting to me and i mean this was the 1990s like this isn't so long ago this isn't like the 1927 years ago this has been happening well i mean this honestly been happening since the beginning of time women have been treated like objects and not like people or human beings and i was like i cannot believe that people really that really that people really think that if a woman does not want to have sex and her husband wants to have sex with her he has every right to. Just because you said I do doesn't always mean that you do. No. You know? That's not full... There's no... No. Absolutely not. And it's just disgusting. And she's in the same hospital as him. And I was like, are there not any more fucking hospitals in, uh, what is it, Manassas, Virginia? There has to be at least another one. Take her down the street or take her further away out of the county or whatever. But, like, this is ridiculous the fact that she has to be in the same hospital as her abuser. And... (sighs) It's just ridiculous. But we also get to see, well, we get to meet, unfortunately, mm-hmm. John's brothers who are, Ew. this is just the most, like, this is disgusting, honestly, but play the clip. If I'd have seen her, I would have killed her. Did you? You went looking for her, didn't you? Yeah. Where did you go looking for her? Any, I didn't even know where to go looking, but I looked. If the cops didn't meet us at the hospital, we would have found her. You think she tried to kill him? She tried to hurt him in the worst way possible for any man. She did worse than kill him. She took away the thing that means most to a man, you know? Uh, It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. Okay, let's start with number one. He said that he would literally kill her. Kill her. Over what she did. Over what she did. And then on top of that, people are in the background cheering and clapping for him. Mostly men, I will say. And also, he says that her cutting his dick off is worse than her killing him. Are you saying that wow, a really? flaccid chunk of skin is more important than a life? Because I 
Definitely do not agree, sir. I don't agree her cutting his dick off is worse than killing him. Because no. he could definitely not be here. And he probably would have... It probably would have saved a lot of other women um, yeah. a lot of trauma and abuse. But he... I can't believe that they said this on national television. No. On national television. And didn't even care. And I mean... And also, it's not like also they were though, oblivious. they were on, like, Jenny Jones. And she they, sucks. All these shitty-ass reality TV There's show. a lot of blood on Jenny Jones' hands. But that's a whole other yeah. podcast episode. I honestly am just so flabbergasted at the like the the fact that people were cheering for them saying the toxic masculinity, and there's three of them just sitting up there just talking shit. And I was like, wow, like I it really honestly to me like furthers my belief in Lorena because of how his brothers are. They're all assholes. They're all awful people, and I really hope that they don't have children or they don't have wives because. Or that they have erectile dysfunction. So if their dick is still there, it's metaphorically cut off. <laughs> hey! But yeah, like, I'm just, like, super, 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 like, disgusted by this whole entire scene. And, I mean, she's literally asking the questions and he's saying that he will murder a woman because she cut his penis off. She did not murder him. He survived. He got his dick back. Did he ruin it himself? Yes, he did. But everything was fine. I mean, it wasn't fine. There was a lot to be unpacked there, but, like, yeah. really? Now that the word Franken-penis is in my vocabulary, I don't think it's ever going to leave. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> um, for me, it's kind of like, why would you, why wouldn't you ask, why would she hurt my brother like this? Like, why would that not cross your mind? But I guess it doesn't because John's a fucking pathological liar, so I'm pretty sure he told them everything and anything to make Lorena look like a jealous hot-blooded Latino, as they called her in the media, too, which is also really fucked up. But we pretty much, the next thing that we get to hear from the documentary is just, like, the facts and data on how women have been, like, abused and, like, uh, over the, the centuries. Like, I mean, since the beginning of time, like we said, like, women have been constantly, constantly beaten, abused, broken, killed like worse tortured by men and a lot of times nothing happened and it's like not until I mean kind of recently that women are actually able to take up you know take arms against their abusers and be able to not have to face you know jail time because what do you think is going to happen when you constantly oppress a person they're going to fucking go off legit and especially even if it's not in their personality the fact that they are able to change the a person and like make them so not themselves such a shell of themselves that they have to live hour by hour under constant watch and eye like in constant restrictions because it goes beyond just like physically abusing people yeah you are mentally abused to the point that i mean even society i would say has mentally conditioned women to think that if you do say something no one's going to believe you or you're just an idiot woman or you're just trying to get money and you're just trying to get attention. Yes, there are people out there in the world every single time that there's someone doing something good, there's about 10 other people doing something bad. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't investigate and make sure that the person that is actually telling the truth is actually able to get justice. Period. Mm-hmm. Anyways, roll the clip. Is the single most significant cause of injury to women in this country. It is an overwhelming moral, economic, and public health burden that our society can no longer bear. There hasn't been adequate resources and recourse and and redress of the terrible violence that women face. 
for lots of women, they thought, I won't be believed, or I'll be called names, or I'll be treated as a horrible person. There's a whole, like, 10-minute montage of about women being abused, and it just gets more Beyond and more depressing. Beyond ab- being abused, it's like once they come forward, it's just being discredited, disenfranchised, just all of it. Oh, yeah. horrible. And it's just like, it's super depressing, but I think that I wish a lot of men would watch this documentary because I think that they would gain a perspective of a woman because I feel like a lot of people or a lot of men think that we're circle. I mean, even people, because I mean, women also, unfortunately, buy into some of this shit, you know, but I think that people really don't understand that this is something that women have been like conditioned over the years. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you don't let someone give you a drink. Make sure that you have, you know, pepper spray or whatever. Make sure you have a taser. Make sure you have to do all these extra per- things to protect yourself from men. And then men are just like, that's not true. Not all men. And I'm like, well, of course your rapist friends aren't going to be like, hey, I'm a rapist. Or your friends that abuse their girlfriends aren't going to be like, hey, I'm an abusive man and I'm going to brag about it. Like, no, it's not going to happen that way. Obviously... Lorena kept this a secret from a lot of people and she did so because she was afraid of what people were going to say about her because she knew that a lot of women speak up and they get shut the fuck down immediately and worse. They're not believed. Then they're ridiculed in the media. They're being mocked like Steve Harvey literally mocking Lorena and right in front of her fucking face. Yeah. And she just... At least she's a good sport about it, I guess, mm-hmm. is like the best thing you can say. But and why this should is she years have to be? after the case. This yeah. isn't even like... Right, bef- like right after the case just happened. Like this is years after. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, like it's just ridiculous. But everyone's just like, "Woe is me for John," but Lorena is a, a laughing stock. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But the next thing we hear from a reporter from the Washington Post, and this is how um, his first interaction with Lorena went. The interest in a case like this for a newspaper like the Washington Post was was huge. So I made plans to immediately get to the Manassas County Courthouse. I had no idea if the suspect was there, um, and I didn't at that time really know who she was. When I walked in the courthouse, there was two Hispanics, uh, myself and the woman who I later learned was Lorena Bobbitt. And the only words to me were, he raped me, he raped me. So because of the nature of the crime, um, because Lorena's was a, um, well, Lorena's charge against John was like a sexual abuse charge. So they pretty much decided to keep both of their names private and out of out of the media and people were already talking about it. they didn't know what their names were but they knew of the story mm-hmm. and one day Lorena was going into the diner to get something to eat and a lady was literally reading the newspaper and like she overheard her saying I wish I could have done that mm-hmm. and she was just like hearing women praise her and she was just like wow like you know this is a whole new world for me like I didn't expect for women to you know say or agree with me I, it just happened you know it was a traumatic moment and I didn't know what was going to happen afterwards, but, you know, here we are. And women are just like, yes, like, they're speaking out. They're just like, finally, a woman actually did something that all of us have wanted to do at some point. I can't personally say I've wanted to chop someone's dick off, (laughs) but I definitely know that there are some women out there that would have wished to do that. 
But, you know, this is pretty much making headlines. People are making jokes about it because it's like shocking news. And honestly, there probably wasn't anything else more important. I mean, there probably were more important things going on in the world, but most people weren't interested in that shit. And this yeah. is also like the time when uh, courtroom TV was coming the out. The 24-hour news cycle yeah. is huge at this point. So all that, that whole entire business was booming. So Lorena kind of just fit perfectly into that pocket. But, you know, everyone surrounding the case is being interviewed, especially the surgeons. They're getting their 15 minutes of fame. They're enjoying it. And, you know, Lorena just needs help to be managed because once she goes to trial and all this other stuff happens, you know, she's going to need someone to manage her publicity, put out statements for her. And I think that's a really good, you know, a good thing to happen and her boss Jana was the one that set all this all these things up for her she got her in contact with a you know really nice lawyer she also got her a media representative named Alan Haig that's his last name H-A-U-G-E yeah I think so um and my notes (laughs) (laughs) and um you know this this was you know this is supposed to help her. I don't really think she needed a media media management person. I think the lawyer would be able to put statements out for her, but I don't know. Jana kind of yeah. seemed like she had other intentions later on. And I we'll just get feel into like that. had she gone with a lawyer making statements for her, then maybe Vanity Fucking Fair would yeah. have been the first thing they agreed to do an interview with. Yeah. Because, yeah. It's just, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, but this was... This was new to her. She didn't really know. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people did take advantage of her. Because Especially there was a cultural barrier. Yeah. And she was very young. and She was very, very young. And at this point, she was just like wanting to be more like Jenna. Like she wanted nice yeah. things. She wanted a life that John, I think she yeah. originally entrusted to give to her and help her achieve. And yeah. we see what happened. Yeah. And I mean, also, um, this was pretty much like the first time that the media had to say penis on air. Yes. Um, so you get like a montage of like newscasters saying the penis, word penis, penis and things like that. My inner like 10 year old came out because I was like, I just, every time I heard the word penis, I kind of like wanted to chuckle. I don't know. I'm secretly fine. <laughs> really? <Okay. laughs> but um, up until penis. this moment, John and Lorena were anonymous and no one knew their names until... Most newspapers had a practice that if you were the victim of a sex crime, you were never identified. And then I learned one day that Lorena had hired a public relations firm. And I called my editors and let them know uh, of this development. And the editor said, okay, well, if she's hired a publicist, then she knows that uh, we're going to use her name. She wants her name used. I really don't know how that translates as consent. To me, it was just more of a preventative measure in yeah. case some asshole leaked her name. It was never her explicitly saying, oh, yeah, bring this all to my front door. Because if she wanted to do that, she would have been on Good Morning America on all those. She'd have been on all of the shows by now. But Lorena, pretty much her publicist said that the Washington Post overstepped their boundaries because that was the Washington Post reporter who basically was just like her she has a publicist so i might as well put her name out and that's why they decided to go with vanity fair they thought it would be classier they thought that vanity fair would actually do them justice and things like that and this is when we meet kim masters who was basically in charge of the interview and she describes how things went and they apparently it took a lot of discussions with lorena's lawyer with Jana, 
or and Alan um, notice I didn't mention Lorena was in any of those meetings. Yeah. They pretty much were controlling what she was saying, who she was talking to, and what she was doing. Granted, I do think she needed a team. I don't think that they should have just put her out there because she is very naive to a lot of things that were happening, and she didn't realize that people were going to take advantage of her. But I also wish that there were other people around to show support to her and also help her navigate these waters. But this is pretty much what Kim Masters had to say. It was very clear from my Vanity Fair editor that had Lorena and John not been an attractive couple, it would have been much less of a thing. There was a whole deal about what was Lorena going to wear. She came with a Mickey Mouse shirt, I think. One of the things that Jana said at the outset was, there is no way Lorena is going to get into her, be shot in her bathing suit in the, in the pool. It took Mary Ellen about five minutes to get her in the bathing suit in the pool. And I said, you know, if you don't stop taking pictures, there will be no words to go around the pictures. And Lorena, I have to, I do remember this little thing where she sort of patted on my arm and said, don't worry, I'll do the interview, don't worry. So Kim is just trying to make sure that Lorena is staying focused she's actually going to be able to tell her story and honestly in the end Vanity Fair did not help at all and Kim no. said that she didn't come across as intellectual she didn't come across as like well very, articulated in yeah her point. and I mean she's a very innocent person like obviously she, she's also really easily coerced yes. because like she said within five minutes they have her in a bathing suit yeah in the pool. and in the pool and I mean she was right like you need to she was like, you know, I think she was the only one that was there that really had her best interests at hand. I think for the she was part. more so, she was the only one there that was about the story. Yeah. And everybody I mean, else was there about the aesthetics. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, like, a story that needs to be told. And I think that, you know, having it in major publications would help. But at the same time, having a picture on the cover of Lorena in her bathing suit looking like she's from, what's that movie, Pretty Wild or whatever, <laughs> with Denise Richards. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she doesn't, like, that's not, that doesn't help her case. No. And, I mean, they even said that Lorena showed up in a Mickey Mouse, like, shirt and I was just like that's probably going to help a little bit better a little bit yeah. more instead of the bathing suit and I mean I just think that that's authentically Lorena like she's just very innocent she's naive she also likes a lot of like Americanized things so, yeah. like just let her tell her story don't convince her to get into the pool and I think that she was just kind of getting that attention like she was feeling beautiful and I'm pretty sure that the photographer was telling her everything that she wanted to hear mm -hmm. in order to make her feel comfortable and get these shots but the shots are controversial and I think that the photographer was thinking what's going to make us the most money mm -hmm. what's going what's to gonna sell? get people talking yeah what's going to make people stop and turn and pick up this magazine and want to buy it but I feel like people are not going to care more so about what she has to say like Kim said and they just care and plus especially yeah. if it's not articulate people aren't going to give a fuck people just think that she's just crazy yeah but then we're going to kind of transition from the court of public opinion to actually to her court. going court yeah which is this she goes to go to court she has her arraignment about two months after um the incident so this move kind of fast it did move fast um but we will get into that in the next episode um we will get all into john's ass because he, oh my god i uh um, we'll meet some jurors. We'll meet the uh, We meet, like, lawyers. everybody in this we documentary. We talked to, like, 
every responding officer, every yes. dispatch person that was working that night, everybody oh, yeah. that was working in the hospital. And we want to include a lot of clips because there's a lot of shit that people say. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And there's a lot of stuff people say that I'm just like, yes. Yeah. That's exactly what better. needs to be said. But stay tuned. We will be posting our next episode. So we'll be posting it later on this week. Um, and uh, stay tuned for some more Lorena. As always, we're also going to plug our socials. Please follow us at High Time for True Crime on all of the platforms. We are also um, answering any emails you would like to send us at High Time for True Crime at gmail.com. Alrighty then. 